Welcome to Relationships with Nancy. This is the place where we are about building relational bridges in a world that is turned upside down. That's relevant today, right? We are feeling that our world as we knew it at the beginning of 2020 is turned upside down. Maybe you are struggling in an area of life. I mean, it is big. You are experiencing uh, struggles in a way that you have never struggled before. Maybe you are young, you're in between, you're old, maybe you're Republican, you're Democrat, maybe you're nothing. Maybe you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Let me go back there when I say nothing. Maybe you are someone that uh, politics to you is like, eh, I don't want anything to do with that. But if you are a USA citizen, let me add this before I move forward. If you are a USA citizen, I encourage you to vote. I encourage you to make your voice heard by voting because I can assure you if you were to step outside of your little world and look at the world outside of the USA in the countries where they have no say whether they are a woman or a man or especially if you are a woman and you are living in another country and you have no rights, I will tell you what. The people in the countries that are not allowed to have a say, or if they do speak up, their life will be over. You need to take a look at that. Maybe, maybe that will press upon you to vote in the presidential election. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not even going to lead you in a direction in that area. I already know who I will vote for. Doesn't matter if people yell at me, scream at me, call me names. I know who I'm voting for. But remember, if you are not interested, there are people in other countries and I could name one, but I, I'm not going to name it. But throughout the years, off and on, research that was done as much as they could in this, we'll call it closed country, not even about being closed to the gospel, closed to everything. The people have no rights, zero rights, even down to how much food they have in the refrigerator. They have no rights. Okay, so that's my little rant here about voting. I want to give you a little look into my morning today. If you read the description of our podcast, you will notice that there's one section that tells you we are a relaxed style with teaching, encouragement, rants on hot topics, and interviews from, get this part, from a Christian perspective, which means starting with the Word of God, starting with the Bible. That's our foundation. That's our foundation 
at relationships with Nancy. Does that mean because I lead an organization that acknowledges Jesus Christ that I'm perfect? No. Does that mean that I, Nancy, the founder and leader of Relationships of the Heart, our learning communities and our conference and workshops, does that mean I never make mistakes? Oh, definitely not. But it does mean I try my best to follow Christ. And when I stumble and fall, I try to get back up. When I sin and live in error, I try to make sure I repent and ask for forgiveness sincerely, not just to say it to make it look good. So if you are listening to me and you're thinking, wow, she must be perfect in the area of relationships because she has the word relationship all over everything. Well, then you're listening to the wrong person. Because there have been times in my life that I have stumbled and fallen. There have been times in my life when I've walked away. There's been times in my life when, God, I don't want to do this anymore. There's been times in my life when I have even, and I'm going to say this, and there will be some Christians who will not like this. I'm just going to acknowledge it. You don't want to listen to me anymore. Then just go away and go listen to someone else. But there have been times in my life when I have doubted, God, are you really there and do you really exist? And I walked through two years, two years, closed my Bible, did not open it up very often, prayed, yeah, a little bit, but my prayers were more like, God, if you are there, show me yourself, show me Show me that you're real. And I was at a really low point in my life. It wasn't about struggling with depression or even a physical illness. It was a battle between God and I. So it came down to this. Lord, I'm walking in this direction. I'm going to continue to lead my life. Maybe there's someone here that needs to hear this. I'm going to continue to live my life. I'm not going to go hide. I'm not going to go become a partier or a dancer or a prostitute. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not running away into that direction, although God can redeem us in that. I'm just going to Live my life. I'm even going to continue on with relationships of the heart, even though everything we teach about is from a Christian perspective. Now, this was probably about three years ago when I came to the end of walking through this. So, as what began to happen was. I began to believe again. To some that may not make sense, but this is my story. Whether you think I'm right or I'm wrong, this is my story. I just said to God, I'm going to keep living and walking out my life. 
and you show me something different because I can't live this way anymore. You see, for quite a few years, without realizing it, I was slowly drawn into a group of people, not publicly, but behind the scenes, that it was like constant. If it wasn't one person here or one leader here or one group here, it was like small groups of people coming after me. And it was constant. It was like, you know, if you spoke this way, things would go better. If you changed your tone of voice, things would go better. If you fixed your hair differently, people would listen to you. If you talk to this person, uh, maybe they will allow you to do this in their church. Nancy, if you speak more eloquently, if you allow me to help you to talk differently, to say this, not say this, or even this, this was the most difficult. Receiving a message with a long, long list of what I should do and how I should do it. And then I would be successful in ministry and then they would help me. And that was the day I looked at that letter and said, enough is enough. But the hard part was, I was still a Christ follower. I was still a Christ follower. But when we are in that furnace, especially that verbal furnace, not all, but many of us get to that point and say, enough is enough. And so I'd already always relied on God, but it got to be just a little bit too much. And there's more that goes with this, but I'm not going to share that today because that's not the direction I'm heading in. I'm just trying to lay some groundwork here. But as I began to just do what I do every day, get up in the morning, I'm not talking like a dead person, depressed person. I mean, get up in the morning, go for a walk. I lived in the country during that time, which was very refreshing for me. I was in a place that is what I found out since I was living in the country. I had friends that were in the city, didn't like to come that far out. And as what is funny, I was only like maybe three miles out of the city, but to some people, this was like, oh, how do you live out here? There's no street lights. There's no. But I grew up in a country setting, so this was relaxing. But you know, when I share that with you today, is what I believe. I can say this after I walk through some deep water, not walking away from God, but asking God, you show me a different way because I cannot live in your church this way, walking in the door every Sunday and someone has something to say about maybe something in the past, something in the present, or mainly is what was hard, especially if I was tired, I was not in leadership in my church, but someone would be right there, not because they were in need or asking me to pray for them or just listening to them because they were hurting, but it was the criticism. It began to take my toll, a toll in my life, and it began to separate me from God, not because of sin, 
But I began to equal how these people spoke without realizing it. God, if this is you, if this is the body of Christ, I don't want to be here anymore. And so I don't want to use the word I walked away from the church. The Relationship of the Heart Conference in Session 2 is about community. So I know all the definitions, the Greek understanding, the scripture. I don't know everything, but I've studied it forwards and backwards and sideways. And here I am not wanting to be in community. But today, I believe we have many leaders that are feeling this way. Maybe you are a leader. Maybe it is politics. Maybe, maybe you've been voted in somewhere. Maybe it is on a board, a committee. Maybe it is within your church. Maybe it's an organization uh, that you are leading. So you are that main decision maker. And you've decided I, this isn't worth it. This just isn't worth it. I'm dying on the inside. I'm tired. I'm hurting. But the positive side of this walking away, I walked away from my critics. I can say this three years later. I walked away from my critics. I walked away from the legalism where we talk about freedom in Christ but we don't extend that freedom to someone who leads. I walked away from the people who held any mistakes over my head. Well, you remember you did that long ago and not even knowing what that was, couldn't even fill in the blank. So we're not going to allow you to do this. Or, well, we put you there, but... We made a mistake, so nope, you can't speak here. And the interesting part was, it wasn't that I was living in deep sin somewhere. But what the enemy uses to try and destroy us, God will turn it around. And this is what my main point is today coming to you on relationships with Nancy. See, we're about building relational bridges, but also to build those relational bridges, sometime to stand up, we have to sit down. So I continued forward with the Relationship of the Heart conferences and setting up workshops and getting everything in place for 2020 because now I'm ready to go and what shows up. Yep, I don't even have to go into detail about it, right? We can just say the virus. That's what I call it, the virus. Makes a mess in our news and our media and everywhere but you know what i learned in the middle of that because god had already brought me back not brought me back from sin but brought me back to a place 
that I needed to go back to and pick up prior to people criticizing me. And also going through this streak where I had like nothing except the clothes on my back, not even a car any longer. I have everything I needed for my office because I knew I needed to hang on to this, but not even any furniture left. And I ended up moving from place to place. I'm very good at changing my address. <laughs> but in the middle of this struggle, I also found out not the critics, but what people think about. People, others who are poor. What people think about and how they think, how they operate, finding out when you are trying to follow the call of God on your life and you know that you're doing what you're supposed to do, but rather it is family or friends, sometimes people disappear, they have nothing to do with us any longer. I'm not the only one. This can happen to people that have money. But as I walked through this, this is the center of my message today. I became stronger. I recall a day when I was moving from one place to another. And at that moment, I literally had to give up the last little bit of some of my furniture, my dressers, just all different things. And I didn't have that much furniture left. But, you know, a lot of those household things. And there were people wanted my stuff, but they were complaining about my stuff. I wasn't selling it. I was just giving it away because I needed to do it, like, right now. And I remember coming across people when they would buy a new car. And there's been times that I've owned brand new cars. I have owned lease cars. I used to be a sales rep. So I always had something that was a car. And then now I have no car. And so I'm around people and they're complaining about their brand new car. And I'm walking in the snow and I'm walking in the rain. But it's what happens when we're in crisis, in the middle of our relationships, whether it's what's going on now in our world or in the past or what will go on in the future. This is where we see who people are. We are seeing in the feeds online hate. We are reading people writing in these social media feeds that they're glad that our president was ill and they hope he dies and i won't even repeat some of the other words that were spoken even something about his family or even let's flip it around to when people are running for an election and you're not on their side and seeing in the feed the opposite. 
The words I'm reading, friends, ladies and gentlemen, are not from people who are running for office. I'm talking about the people in the feed. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're listening to me now. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're that critic instead of being in my face, face to face of what I went through. Maybe you're that filthy critic. Yep, I'm going to use that word, filthy. Maybe you are that filthy critic on social media, destroying people with your words that no one can hear your verbal voice, but they can see it. And it does the same damage. Now I'm speaking to people that proclaim to be a born-again Christian. Are you one of those people, like the people that are around me or were around me in the past, that were takers? When I had the least, they were taking, taking. When I had the least amount of money, we'll help you, but you need to give us this. People who would, who had much, would take from my little. And we wonder why the world views us the way we do. Christians, when we look into the Gospels, and let's specifically talk about the New Testament, when God is telling us to give, I will use myself as an example, and to help other people, whether that is financially or that is food, he is not telling us, because this is twisted thinking, to give to the poor. See, the enemy likes to twist what's in our head, or I mean to give to the rich. Sorry, we are to give to the poor, but to give to the rich because it doesn't mean that when people have finances, and I'm not talking millionaires here, okay? I'm not talking people with tons of retirement. I am talking about those everyday work people that they take gifts from the poor and the poor give to the people that have money. They may have a little bit of food, but they give what they have. I have a saying for this. And it works like this. This is what I learned in this journey of going without. And it doesn't matter if someone is a Christian, you call yourself a born-again Christian, or you are not. There are people that live this way. What, my, what is mine is mine, and what is yours is mine. Now, when I say this, I'm speaking of people who have much, and they expect people who have little to give to them. And they will take it. God's word does not tell us for those that have the less amount. 
of whatever, whether that is food, whether that is money. We're not talking about the tithe here. We're just talking in general. God's word doesn't tell us that. He tells us to give to the poor, not take from the poor. Today, for my early morning study, I found myself in Matthew 25. And I was looking at verse 34. I was reading the whole section here, starting at verse 31, but I'd like to go to 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? I'm using the New King James Version today. Verse 39, or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Let that sink in. I'm not going to go any further into that passage. I'd like you to just... If you feel led to do this, go in and read it for yourself and ask God what he's showing you. Are you the person that has more than someone that's around you and taking from them? Are you taking their last piece of bread? Or are you giving them another piece of bread? Let bread represent anything. You see, I've lived on both sides. I've never been rich, rich, and had lots of money, and I struggled in many areas, but I've always worked hard. I've been around the corporate world as a single mom. I have sat in offices trying to do the best I could and bring in enough money when my children were young as a single mom because their father did not help me at all, zero But I worked, and I worked hard. I did the best that I could do. So when I would sit in with a potential client or customer, and they would bicker over a dollar, but that dollar would put me over the line into my commission. Use a dollar as an example. I'm sitting with people who have much more than I do. And there was many times I just wanted to stand up and say, I'm just trying to feed my children and keep a roof over my head. 
And so at the beginning of this, as I was talking about what I walked through and not walking away from God, but saying, okay, Lord, I'm just going to live my life. And if you are there, you bring me back in a way that looks different because I cannot live this way within the church, within the body anymore. I'm going to continue to teach about it. But Lord, this isn't healthy. And so I would say, as I'm talking to you today, that walk for me was successful. I do not regret stepping away. Because when I did, I stopped hearing, not just in my head, but in my presence, I stopped hearing the voices of others. Instead, I started, without realizing it, hearing God through the Holy Spirit guiding me as I walked out my life and walked me back into the Bible and, and into prayer. And now I can say, as I talk to you today, even in the midst of this world, it doesn't mean that I don't become stressed with what's going on. It doesn't mean that uh, criticism doesn't come my way. But on the inside of me, I handle it completely different. I am stronger. And no matter what anyone thinks of me, I will no longer live within the body of Christ, not meaning that I'm not part of it or that I don't attend church, whether it's online or offline. But I will no longer go back to live the other way because I know there will be leaders again one day or just people in general as we come back out into the public with relationships of the heart. That the same could, thing could happen, but I handle it differently. I handle it differently. So I brought up Matthew 25 in the passage I read to you for a specific reason, asking you to read this, to find out which side are you on. Are you that person? Are you the person that's in need? And you're taking that little bit that you have. It's okay to give it to someone else in need. It's okay to share because I do that. But are you giving it to the rich? Because I'm always reminded of this. I can never remember if it's Elijah or Elisha. I think it's Elijah. But when he went to the woman's home, and maybe we'll have to do a second part on this. I'll have to look it up and we'll talk about this because this always resonates in my spirit when I bring up this topic. He was a man in need. He wasn't rich when he went to the woman's house and asked her to make food. He wasn't rich. He wasn't a person with a big bank account somewhere having her feed him. No, he was also a person in need. But she blessed him and in turn, God 
blessed her. Get that? She blessed him. He was a man in need. She was in need. She wasn't blessing someone that had a big account. Now, we're not talking about enemies here when I'm sharing this story. But if you think someone, those critics, and sometimes they, I guess we are talking about enemies. God tells us to pray for our enemies. Ask God to bless them. And you know what I believe? When we do that is what happens. They may, they can resist it. But if they are born again believer, the Holy Spirit resides inside of them. They may begin to become convicted. So before I start moving into the end of this message for you, I encourage you, no matter which side you're on, are you that person that has barely enough to get by? Are you the person that's, maybe you're in the middle as far as, we're talking about income here, or or even more, and you are taking from the people who have less. Do you know is what I found during this time? There are people that don't even want others to have food. It's because of what they say. It's like, go get a job. And they may not know the circumstances of the other person. See, it's easier to say and talk about people that have less than to care about them and assist them. There is the saying that, what is, I hope I don't mess this up. If, if you give a man, what is it? It's something about giving a, a, a man, giving a person a fish. Okay, teach them to fish. That's what it is. If we um, teach someone to fish, I'll give my own version. If we teach someone to fish, instead of just giving them fish, then they'll have more. But do you know what? There is a time, and we are living in it right now, we need to stop being judgmental of those people who are getting help. Where they're pulling their car within a uh, food line, a food bank, or however it's set up, wherever you live, and making them feel guilty when we don't know that whole story. Because according to God's word, Teaching someone to fish doesn't always hold up in God's word. Yes, it's okay to do that if that's a, a learning issue. But if you are taking from those who have less and you are judgmental towards them for needing help and you are a born-again believer, you are standing on shaky ground. It would be like this. I, I don't have a car. I don't have a car. When I lost my car quite a few years ago, because I lost my job, my company closed. I don't want to go in that whole story because it's old. It's not a secret. It's just old. And I went through, you know, the unemployment, kind of like what people are going through now, but it wasn't the virus issue. And the company, the company closed. I didn't have a job. Instantly, I started looking for a job. I hadn't had a look for a job probably in seven or eight years. And 
Um, the climate had changed as far as employment and for uh, what I did as far as a sales rep. But I was looking for a job morning and afternoon because I knew they say about looking for a job, look for your job in the same way that you go to work, which means the hours, right? So I was doing that and I had unemployment and then I, I can't remember if I had an extension or not, but then my unemployment was over and so I was in the middle of doing what I'm doing now, but I was doing it part time and by faith I stepped into this and I'll tell you what. I could not find a job. I even had interviews with good jobs, big companies, corporate companies. Some of them, after everything began to fall apart because it was the financial side and there was some illegal stuff going on that was exposed, a couple of the companies were those type of companies. I was even ready to get up and move. But you know what? Here's why I'm sharing this. People had a lot to say when my car left and I no longer had a car. We'll go get another one. See, that's what we do when we're on the outside looking in. It didn't mean I was less intelligent. So what happened? I had a job, but I got people telling me, get a job. So I'm still looking, right? And I find a job and it wasn't the best job, but it was a sales type job and I need a car. My bank wouldn't go any longer. By the end of the month, I was going to have enough money to catch up on everything for my car. But they wouldn't do it and the day came. Maybe you're one of those people. The day came, my nice looking car was driven out of the driveway. But I'm not sharing that to get you to think, oh, poor Nancy. My point of sharing this is people had a lot of comments that was very hurtful, very painful. You know why? Because they would quickly say, there's no excuse for that. I even have to this day, I have a file packed away of all the jobs that I applied for. But you know what it did? I'm talking to you today on this podcast. I'm online on YouTube. I began to travel leading relationships of the heart outside of the USA. I raised money to take these trips to train leaders who otherwise would not afford conferences. I charged absolutely nothing. And guess what? If there are people, though, when I do a conference in the USA, the conference we were setting out to hold before the virus showed up, that someday we will have this conference online, and it was near the ocean in a beautiful place. But guess what? There is a registration fee to attend. And if there's someone who wants to attend, and they are that person, they don't have the money, is what we're going to be doing is setting up scholarships. But it's not free. But the people that complain to me in the USA are not the people that have little. It's the people that have much. They want it free. Which side are you on? 
Who are you? Today, God kind of picked me up in the middle of all of this. Because I process a lot of content. But it's like God just picked me up. My funds are low right now. They're like really low. I have zero funds coming in. And at Relationships of the Heart and Relationships with Nancy, even here on anchor.fm slash relationships with Nancy, there is a supporter button. We are supported by listeners. In the same way, when I traveled outside of the USA, I raised funds to travel when I had none of my own to do what God's called me to do. The relationships with Nancy, our podcast is free, but we still have other expenses to continue to operate. So if you would like to give any amount, that would be great. You can set up through anchor.fm slash relationships with Nancy. Look at the button for support. Press that button. You can give a simple 99 cent a month. That's it. Just set it up. Follow the instructions. Also, there's an option to give $4.99 a month. Or the third is $9.99 a month. Just go into my support button. If you are listening to this somewhere else because it's embedded in different places and uh, Anchor is great at throwing this podcast out to many different places out there. So maybe you're listening to me somewhere else. I know when I was looking at my stats, we have listeners in um, Ireland and in Germany. And that's exciting to me. So if you could help me out in the area of finances, that would be great. Or you could also get in touch with me, uh, rather through Messenger, on Facebook. You can email me at nancy at relationshipswithnancy.com and I'll send you uh, my other giving link outside of Anchor. There are many ways uh, that you can give that are secure. So if you would help me out, that would be great. Help me to continue on even just a little bit. 99 cents, $4.99, $9.99. Or if you'd like to give a specific amount and not monthly, then email me at nancy at relationshipswithnancy.com and I'll send you my link. I have two other ways that you can give that are secure. So back to what we're talking about today at Relationships with Nancy and building relational bridges. Uh, this morning, it's very interesting, what I just shared with you as far as in Matthew and giving and giving to the poor and not taking from the poor to enlarge your coffers. That's how I began my morning. And now I'm going to move into what happened next. So what happened next, I began to listen to this song, Awakening, by Chris Tomlin. And I love this song, but I hadn't listened to it in a long time. And it was on my um, Spotify 
list that I have there. I, I think I have it set up as it is set up uh, to view it publicly. It's under my name of Nancy W A T T A. But when you look at this, there's a song Awakening. And I think it's under my quiet music or something like that or soft. But as I'm sitting here listening to this song, it's blaring through my speakers. And then I decide I'm going to put my headphones on and I'm just going to sit here and listen. And the words in this song, I'll let you look them up. It's Awakening Live by Passion. Um, Chris Tomlin. But as I'm listening to this, it's like something is rising up in my spirit. Yep, I'm going to call it something. Those of you that have this happen know what I'm talking about. It is literally like I'm waking up because I'm like tired today. I'm just tired. I'm, I'm not tired because I'm ill. I'm tired because I've been working hard. I'm getting enough sleep and my days are long. But I'm listening to this and so then I jump over to off my phone listening to Spotify and I get on my desktop and I, I pull it up and I begin to listen to the words more closely and I flipped it on repeat. And I moved down over to my Twitter account. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm NJWATTA. Under ROH TV and Relationships with Nancy. But as I'm listening to this song, this is what happened. I'm going to read a series of tweets. I usually don't write a series of tweets. I'll write one tweet here and there, but not a lot of them. And occasionally I get on there and I go crazy and I have a, a lot to say, or I read a lot of different tweets from people and I have people that I follow. But today I began to write this tweet and you can also add more to your thread to the main tweet, which as I said, I very seldom do. But I want to share a little bit of this with you. Because it's interesting, out of reading Matthew, that brought my perspective in to giving. Because you see, even though I don't have a lot, I still desire to give. But God isn't calling me to take my food, the little I have, and give it to the person that has a full refrigerator. That's not what God's calling me to do. He's really spoke to me through Matthew 25 about giving to those people who have need. So for me, that may be, if I have, we'll use this as an example, I have two loaves of bread, giving one to someone that I know that doesn't have any. Or having an apple pie that someone gave to me and sharing a piece of that apple pie with someone not have it doesn't mean I don't share my pie with people that have money that's not what I'm saying here I'm talking about the heart issue I'm talking about this scripture 
here. But from all of this and then into this song of awakening, this is how God speaks to each one of us differently. For you, it may never be music. It may be as you're walking along. It may be a sermon that you hear. It may be uh, something that a politician is saying. It may be something within the news. But here's what I wrote in my tweet. Let's finish the year out awake and not asleep. Then I have the name of the song. And this was a statement that I made that probably doesn't mean much to people that may read this on Twitter, but it does to me as the leader of the Relationship of the Heart Learning Community, the conferences and workshops. Relationships of the Heart Finishing Strong in 2020. That's like a word the Lord gave me, that this is how the rest of our year will look. And it's like God wants me to believe it. Maybe this is something you need to hear. You don't do the same thing that I do, lead the same type of organization that I do. But the second part of this, my first part is relationships of the heart, finishing strong in 2020. That means we are going to finish strong in 2020. And let's move into my next tweet in my thread. Step away from divisiveness. Stand. Speak up bold. Shake off your passiveness. Finish out 2020 awake and strong. Bold in love and compassion. And my hashtags are Wake Up America, USA, Vote, Awake My Soul, and Relationships. The next, stand out for what is right. Do not riot. Do not steal. Do not destroy. Do not kill. Build up. Be part of healing, not killing. Now there is, we read about physical killing, physical murders, shootings, riots, stealing. Destroying of property. When all of this starts happening, though, sometimes as Christians, not all of us, but we have a tendency to go into our shell like a turtle. Now, I'm not talking about stay-at-home orders with the virus. This is in general, okay? I'm not telling you to violate anything. There are so many different rules depending on where you live and what's going on, whether it's riots or virus or whatever it is. I'm not telling you what to do in that area. But stand up for what is right and don't be that turtle that just puts your head in your shell, pulls in your legs, and disengages from what God is giving you to do. It doesn't mean you have to get up and travel to another country. It may just be saying hello to your neighbor or being kind to someone, but stand up for what is right. 
And whatever the stand-up looks like for you, that's what you do. For me, standing up means I'm right here speaking to you right now. And is it easy to speak a word about people who have less and people who have more and people who have more? And I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about taxes. So get that out of your mind right now. I'm talking about as we live our life in community and in relationships. Stand up for what is right. And it begins with ourselves. It doesn't begin like speaking how I am here. In the same way, what I'm sharing with you today, stand up for what is right. Do not riot. Do not steal. Do not destroy. Do not kill. Build up. Be part of healing, not killing. Wake up America. This began, this message I'm giving you began behind the scenes. First, in my heart, as I sat with my devotional um, in front of me, it's called 31 Degrees of Blessing for Women. And looking at this passage in Matthew 25 and thinking about my life and praying. And everything that I study behind the scenes isn't always for the public, but today it is. It's for you here, whether you're listening to me now on anchor.fm slash relationships with Nancy, whether you are a supporter or you're not a supporter, whether you hate me, whether you love me, whether you're going to send me hate mail, whether you're going to send me encouraging mail, this message is for you. But you need to make a decision. See, I'm making this decision this morning to finish out 2020 awake and strong. That was the previous tweet. Stand, speak up bold, shake off your passiveness. Finish out 2020 awake and strong. My final tweet in this series is, relationships of the heart for leaders will not stand down. And as I say this, I'm not speaking to any riot groups, any hate groups. I am talking about myself as a leader of relationships of the heart for leaders, our communities. We will not stand down. Yes, there is a time to be quiet, but we stand up for Jesus. That's what I mean about not standing down. This isn't about killing. This isn't about murder. This is about standing up for Jesus. And standing up for Jesus sometimes means speaking the hard word like I am doing right now. So as we come to an end, this is the final word in my tweet. I want to repeat this. Relationships of the heart for leaders will not stand down. We stand up for Jesus. We are bold and strong, and we will finish 2020 wide awake, expanding into new territory, not running away. So what will you do with your life? Is what I'm sharing with you today making you mad? Sometime. The word someone shares will make us a little angry. But I know for myself, even when I'm reading in the Bible or studying, that sometimes it's like, really, God, you want me to pray for my enemies? So if you've listened to this like on the run, in a hurry, I encourage you to find 
a place where there's no one around and listen to this again with no distractions. So once again, if you would like to be a listener, supporter of Relationships with Nancy on anchor.fm slash relationships with Nancy, just go to my page and hit the supporter button. 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99. Or if you'd like to give outside of this area, you can email me at nancy at relationshipswithnancy.com and I'll connect you with my giving button. So have a great day. Stand up for what is right. Let's finish out the year wide awake and not asleep. Wherever you're at with your life, whether you are a leader that leads an organization, a nonprofit, a business, you're a volunteer in your home, let's finish strong in 2020. We just started October. We have October, November, December. And if you are listening to this months later, And it's maybe a year later, this message is for you too. If you are into 2021 and you're listening to this, this message still can be relevant for you. So thanks again for listening to me. Please be sure to contact me with your comments or questions. I'd love to hear from you. But, I always add this, even if you disagree with me, find a way to do it respectfully. You can find me way on the right or maybe you're way on the left. I'm always open to listening to your comments, but I will not allow any of my feeds anywhere to turn into the killing fields by using our mouths. Be blessed, and I'll see you next time. Hi everyone, this is Nancy with Relationships with Nancy. This week our podcast is going to be a little bit different. You're wondering, okay, what does that mean? Well, it means this. Number one, I'm just going to get right into the word that I desire to share with you today. I have this little word bubbling up inside of me. Not a real happy word, but it's not a real sad word either. But I'm not even going to take the time to add a beginning role here with a big uh, introduction with music or run any music in the background or stop at a mid roll in the middle and uh, do a little advertising or end with some music. Nope. Today I'm coming to you in a simple way. Our world's pretty complicated right now, right? People may describe it as a mess or some people are feeling confused or some people are feeling uh, fearful. Uh, They're feeling their life is disrupted. The life that they have known in the past is now changed, some more than others. And many are finding they just want to go back to the way life was for them not that long ago 
but there are many situations that we find we are no longer in control. But even in the past, we came across situations in our lives or um, times at our workplace or within our churches, in our families, with friends. We find situations arise and we just want to control them. We just want to fix them. We want to make them better. And as far as relationships, it's good to desire to make our relationships better, right? That's, that's a good thing. But if it comes to controlling someone else or controlling everything around us, like I'm a planner and most people that are around me, if they spend some time with me or they listen to me talk about uh, relationships with Nancy, rather uh, trips we've taken in the past or online areas or writing a book or working on the next book or online courses that um, I'm a planner. But there's something I've learned in the planning. There are certain parts of the planning that I can control, but there are other areas I need to be flexible for them to work. Otherwise, I'm going to cause my self-grief because a change comes along and I just don't want to make that change, but I have no choice to make the change because of situations around me. And so I can choose to become grumpy and treat others around me. Maybe let's just call it simply not nice, not mean, but just a little bit snippy. Like I have what I call my snippy thermometer. You know what a snippy thermometer is? It's, it's well, how can I explain this? Um, if I'm feeling stressed, or, or usually it's if I'm just tired. I'm, I'm what I call overtired. Parents will say this about their, their little baby, right? They're overtired. I know my children, when they were really young, we spent a lot of time on holidays and birthdays and sometimes just to hang out with um, my family and uh, my ex-husband's family and just around different people, but especially on a holiday, the main ones, whether it was Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving. Uh, Christmas, when my children were little, because they were the first grandchildren also, uh, the first niece and nephew on my side, born in the family of that generation, so they received a lot of attention. Not bad attention, not let's spoil them attention, but good, good attention. We were all together. But I also knew when it was time to go home, because when the children were little, they were just stimulated a lot. It was fun, but they were being picked up and played with, and it was all good. But there came a time when I always knew, okay, we, we need to go home now because the kids are getting a little grumpy. They need some sleep. Usually with little kids, that's crying, right? Now, for me, no, I don't walk around crying, but is what happens when I'm really, really tired and I'm overtired. That's what I call it. It's that point. I'm I'm dragging. I'm I'm not dragging because I haven't had enough sleep, but I'm dragging because maybe it was a long couple of days. You know, I had sleep, but I hit that third day. Have you ever ever had that happen? I hit that third day, and man, I'm dragging. But it's what happens. I get a little bit snippy, and um, 
the snippy means I may say something that I usually don't say. I'm usually a pretty patient person, but I just, on the inside, I can feel it. I know me. Maybe you're someone like that too. Or maybe you're someone like that, but you, you just don't pay any attention to anyone. You just let it all hang out, right? But sometime when we get like that, we also can become a person that uh, we start pointing fingers at other people. Now, that's not so much of my tired. For me, I'm just tired and I want to get away from everyone and I want to shut myself in, in my room away from everyone, just read a book, not be online, maybe watch a movie or scroll through my social media, but nothing real heavy. And so right now, I really believe this for people, you know, with what's going on, especially with the virus again it's starting to crop up and increase in some areas if what we're reading is true which is hard to tell in today's world but i think that's making people feel a little bit stressed and so maybe just maybe there are some who are starting to point their fingers at other people and looking at them maybe you're pointing that finger with your words. You're not saying the words to the person, but maybe you're in a conversation with friends or family or coworkers, and it just turns negative. Some of us call that, yep, that's going south, man. That conversation, especially because I live in the north, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the south. That's just a, a saying. It means that conversation is, it, it's getting bad. Um, it's not bad for the person that's not there, but for the two of us, we just get going and we may begin to start pointing our fingers at other people. And especially if we are a Christ follower, we may be pointing those fingers and at the same time, we know scripture and there's something inside of us that begins to kind of feel a little bit uncomfortable. That, my friends, and many of you already know this, but that is kind of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That's a tug on our spirit. And so tonight, after a long day, I'm recording this in the evening, and after a long day, I did take a early evening break. I took a, probably about two or three hours, and um, then I decided, you know what? I'm just going to sit at my desk, pull my, pull my journal out, and I'm going to spend some me time. It wasn't that I wanted to go and read a, a book or watch a movie. I just really felt, you know what, I haven't had my Bible out in a couple days. I need to pull it out. And I felt the Lord was prompting me to head into a certain area of Scripture. Now, let me back up here a little bit when I talked about as I started this that I wanted it to just be simple that's why there's no beginning there's no mid-roll music there's nothing on the end mainly to talk about well I don't want to go in in depth so let me erase this part that I was going to say and let me start this section all over. It's kind of like when I'm writing, right? I'm writing along. Maybe you are a writer also and I'm, I'm writing along whether it's a longer post or it's a, a 
blog post or um, I'm working on a book and I'm writing along and I put something there to go, oh, I gotta take that out and I'll take a couple chapters out. So consider what I was just going to say that. So let me back up here. As we um, look at simplicity, hmm, to me, that sounds really nice right now because I have spent the last three days, I was working at my desk. I have a plane in my background and then sometime I um, shut it off and I may go back a few hours later and listen to the replay. But I've been listening to the Supreme Court hearings. Uh, today, I think was day three. I think today was day three, the final day. Um, and it was something I was able to understand what they were talking about. Like some of the parts I had to listen real close because I'm not an attorney. Um, but I felt um, Judge Amy just explained things very clearly. After I listened uh, a few times, I started understanding what some of the um, law terms mean and understanding how, once again, I used to know all this, but you know, I don't use it much anymore but learning how our different branches of government work together. It's like a refresher, a civics course for me. But as I was listening to the senators that were interviewing her, and I'm not saying we need to just get rid of this system because I'm okay with it, but we're all people, right? Rather, we are... Um, Judge Amy sitting there as they're throwing all these questions at her from both sides, Republican and Democrat, whether we are one of the senators from whichever side of the aisle they are on, whether they're Democrat or Republican, that sitting in this community, sitting in this chambers, if that's what we would like to call it, is a group of people, and it's a group of people that do not agree. And there were some I really felt, they were just finger pointing. It was like trying to find out or trying to unearth something in Judge Amy's life or her family, just trying to find something to pin on her, some dirt something that she may have said or written in the past. It was like the majority of the senators, I would say, from both sides of the aisle, I mean, this was designed to do exactly what was happening here. But some within the manner is what I noticed. I noticed there were a couple of them that just jumped right out at me that when they would begin to talk to her, it was like what they said, the word shame came to my mind. It was like they were trying to shame her for being a mom and a wife and having, um, I think it's seven children and living a good life, but working hard, right? Working hard. Now, no one is perfect. But as what was bothering me, it was like, it wasn't just questions. There were some that they were just pointing fingers, kind of snide. It, it was like watching some 
come to the table with their own agenda and maybe tag a question for Judge Amy at the end. But it was like watching them share with the world where they stand as a senator. And that isn't what this was for. But tonight, as I sat at my desk and I went and grabbed my Bible, and I was led to the book of First Chronicles. And okay, I know enough about First Chronicles. If I get to the beginning of it as we're going through, it's chronicling. Chronicling, yeah. Um, that's not a word we use uh, very often. But this is going through it, the first part. It's not talking about battles. It's not talking about where they're going or what they're doing so much as it's like family trees. It, it is the lineage. And I'm thinking, yeah, I have to find something else to read. How is this going to speak to me? And then I turned to First Chronicles 2. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to read through First Chronicles 2. And you may be wondering right now, Nancy, out of everything you just said, how in the world does First Chronicles fit with this? Well, hang on. I'm just going to show you what I see here. As I walked through this, I finished chapter 2, and then I decided I'm going to go back to chapter 1. I really didn't want to be there because that's just more names, right? But I go back there, and I decided to slow down a little bit and just pay attention to the names. And different names began to jump out at me. Okay, now remember, this is about lineage. But some of the names that began to jump out that I noticed that I was familiar with are names of men and women in the Bible. We read about their life and we read about their sin. And I thought, oh no, God's going to be showing me right here something I'm doing wrong and I need to repent. But in, instead of heading in that direction, I looked back at First Chronicles 2 and instead I said, okay, what is it I can learn from this? Because this is a lineage, right? It's names. And this is what happened as I read through chapter 1 and chapter 2 again. It is this. God uses sinners. Some people don't like to hear that, especially in today's world in politics. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, we're looking at these hearings, we're watching them, and this is serious stuff. I mean, they are looking at the credentials at the, of this woman every which way that is possible. In her past, her life now, her professional life, her credentials, um, 
letters from people who endorse her, as some were senators were submitting them, and letters from people that would not endorse her, which is very, very unusual. Usually they're, the, the non-endorsers are just quiet, but this time it was from all different sides. And mainly it was like listening to one group lift her up and the other one, this is one at a time, coming along and smacking her. And as I looked at First Chronicles and this hearing, day three, day two also, is just fresh in my mind. And I began to read this, it was like seeing that this people in this room, we'll say this again, the people in this room, some are really pointing fingers, but we have all sinned. So as I read First Chronicles and going through these names, that's what I began to see in this lineage. See, we read in Scripture, you see, we read in Scripture that God does call us to repent when we read in the New Testament. If we have sinned, once we become a Christ follower, a believer in Jesus, we've received him, that, and we've asked him for forgiveness, it doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean, as I'm watching these hearings, that everybody in this room, because of the position that they hold, whether they are someone appointed or they are someone that is elected, no matter how good they try to be, we are all sinners. So I'm going to read to you uh, what I wrote a few minutes prior to hopping on here with you. Okay, I'm just going to read exactly what I wrote for one of our Facebook groups here. It's called Classes, Books, and Learning with Nancy. If you'd like to check me out, just head on over to your Facebook and search for that and um, ask me for an invite. It is a a private group. Um, it's set up as only members can see who's in the group and what they post. But the uh, group itself, anyone can find this group, so it is visible. So once again, this group is Classes, Books, and Learning with Nancy. We're still um, building this page. I don't spend a whole lot of time there right now. I've been doing a lot of writing and, and designing and, and preparation for future courses. And when we begin to um, hold events, conferences, and workshops online again. So let me read this to you. Scanning the first few chapters of First Chronicles, I noticed the lineage is filled with big-time sinners. This should not cause us to point our fingers at the well-known sinners. Instead, we should begin to see God uses sinners and imperfect beings that he created. Okay, because I've studied the Bible, as I wrote this, big time sinners was because those were the names that were jumping out at me. Those were the names. But yet, God uses who he desires to use. 
So today God continues to use his creation in ways many do not understand. Isn't that hard for us sometimes? That's hard when we see someone appointed to a position or someone is hired or they haven't even applied for it and someone comes along and says, hey, hey, would you be interested in, in doing this? Um, and you may know something about their life and you're thinking, why do they get to do that? My, my life is better than their life. I'm cleaner than they are. I haven't did what they have did. I didn't mess up like they messed up. But today, God continues to use his creation in ways many do not understand. And he understands our heart because he created us. Especially if we are looking at someone and ticking off on our fingers all of their mistakes. The human nature desires to tear others down to build ourselves up. And that's kind of exactly what I saw, not with all, but a couple of the, the senators, um, I noticed because it was a constant, any time they would begin to speak, um, it was almost, when they'd get to the end, you know what I'm talking about, you notice someone's look on their face, kind of like, ha, 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 I got you. Okay, on with my post. Here's a trustworthy saying. And this I'm reading from 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 through 16. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners, all of whom I am the worst. This is Paul writing here. But for that reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. As long as we live on this earth, it is possible we may see others stumble and fall. Or we may notice them stumble and fall into sin. Instead of pointing fingers, we should take the log out of our eye before we take the speck out of the eye of another. Meaning that before we point our fingers at others or even physically walk right into someone's space and start telling them what they are doing wrong, is what God is telling us in his word that we need to go back and examine ourselves first because we probably have a big old log, it's possible, we have a big old log in our eye, which represents sin, and we're trying to take that tiny little speck out of the eye of another. So there is a saying that I used to use. I don't know if I picked this up somewhere or it's something I just wrote out of my own thoughts, but I went through this time in life and in my ministry, <coughs> excuse me, I went through this time of life uh, in my own ministry that, you know that saying, every time I turn around, okay, every time I turn around, there was someone there. I mean, like physically, we're not talking in email or in texts or in messages. We're talking physically there. And they were trying to tell me 
what I was doing wrong. I, I'm saying trying because the majority of the time, depending on who it was, I didn't listen real closely because they were known for not just with me pointing out the sins in the lives of others but not looking at their own or i recall hearing this someone say well god gifted me to see what's wrong in someone and so he's called me to go and tell them it's like really he gifted you with that he gifted you that you spend your life whether it's at work or at home i didn't say this but i was thinking it. i'm thinking really everywhere you go you're pointing out to someone else what's wrong with them okay so when we look at this part of scripture about taking the log out of our own eye before we take the speck out of another it doesn't mean we don't speak up to other others but we need to look at ourselves first. Because let's look back at what Paul said here. Right? I am the worst of sinners. But for that reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive internal, eternal life. So back to the book of First Chronicles, as I was looking at this, it's not pointing out this person sinned and this person sinned. All it is is a list of people. But even though I was bringing this together for you, as I read the list, my first thought was, wow, there are sinners in here. And that's what took me to this point and also to talking about the Senate hearing today. And there were some senators, male and female, within this group that when they made their comments in a question, even if it was a tough question, even if it was... Um, going to be hard for Judge Amy just because it was a lot of law um, of what she would need to remember in writing papers and questioning her about her, her beliefs and her leanings and of um, many different areas. But they would like politely tell her, they wouldn't apologize, um, but they had a manner of doing this that they weren't attacking her as a person. That is not always easy to do, but I think it makes it easier if we see ourselves as, you know what? I'm a sinner too. There is scripture that tells us all have sinned. There's another scripture, this is more message version, but um, not word for word. Uh, but we better be careful um, or we may fall. Like if I'm pointing my finger at you about someone else, uh, I could end up in that same situation. So let me move into another area. 
here, a few other people in the Bible. You know, let's go back to Paul for a second, because uh, he penned First Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. That he acknowledges, once again we'll say this, he acknowledges, I am the worst, and that I needed God's mercy. He showed me mercy. And as we read the books in the Bible that Paul has read, he's not always real easy on people. But he understands who he is and where his life began when he was on the Damascus Road and was brought to his knees. I don't think he ever forgot that. But many times it's the Holy Spirit that will convict us, not a person. It is the Holy Spirit. And many times we take people, we could do this with Judge Amy. And after listening, we could take her and put her on this pedestal of perfection. But that's not good either. Because I have a feeling from listening to this for the last couple of days, uh, you know, we know, most of us, not all, most of us know where we fall short. Like here, let's, let's look back at, at this, okay? Paul teaches us about lifting one another up, right, and encouraging one another. But yet we read in the book of Acts 15.39, that there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. And Paul parted with him. He didn't give him a second chance. Let's see, had his weak points. Let me, let me read this to you. Even though he was an amazing Christian, this is from one of my little notes here. Even though he was an amazing Christian and an amazing apostle, achieving such incredible things, being God's instrument to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, he nevertheless had his weak points. You only have to look at the sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas to see a man who is not good at giving people a second chance and who parted from his co-worker with whom he'd gone through so much. It leaves a less than perfect feeling about the situation and about him. But God used him. This is my point tonight. God used him. Whether he should have ended up in prison in Caesarea is debatable, but still God used him. And then let's move on to Moses. Okay, Moses, Moses blew it. He completely blew it. He uh, ended up wandering. But before the wandering... Um, he ended up for 40 years looking after sheep in the wilderness. But when we look at the entire life of Moses, even in the middle of the times we can see his sin, God used him. How about Jacob? A schemer, a thief, a deceiver. But God chose him. Joseph, 
How about David? See, we are looking as people for someone we can esteem, like someone we can lift up that's perfect. And then later, we're disappointed because we say, well, I thought that person lived this way, or I thought they lived this way. It's not even that they're lying. It's just sometimes things happen in life. It's the choices that we make. But as we read throughout the Word, God uses people who sin. What about the disciples? Were they perfect-looking, mannersome people, men with ties and, and professional speech? No, they weren't. They were rough men. So I challenge you today, before you point your finger... And I I should say, right, here's the correct way to say it. I challenge us today, before we point a finger, that's less offensive, right? But instead, I am going to say it this way. I challenge you personally, whoever is listening to me right now, I challenge you personally, before you open your mouth, whether it's with someone else or the person that you see sin in their life or something that's going on, I challenge you to look at your own life first. And then also, I challenge you to look at your motive. Are you trying to find dirt? Yeah, let's just say it this way. Are you trying to find dirt on someone because it makes you feel bigger and better? On my post within classes books and learning with Nancy when I posted this about first Timothy chapter 1 15 through 16 the photo I placed along with this post is road construction ahead we're all under construction right this says ahead but we're all under construction God is transforming us from day to day and somehow Somehow, in this messed up world of ours, if we are someone who has received Jesus Christ and you profess that you have, then it is yours, mine, all of our responsibility to set an example. To set an example. Think before we speak. Know those places in your life that well, the same as mine. Maybe someone else has this. At the beginning of uh, this podcast, I shared with you that I know when I get really tired, I get a little snippy. But I've also learned I, I know that feeling inside of myself, so I'm conscious of it, and I try and be careful. Do I always succeed? No, that's when I really have to watch my writing on social media. If I'm tired and I see something I don't like, it's because I write a lot, I'll just send something out there. 
So in our world today, it's okay to be bold. But the boldness must come from that boldness that God desires us to have, meaning how we speak. You know, when we're being bold about something, okay, we, we may be bold in sharing the gospel, but bold doesn't mean to attack someone and knock them to the floor with your words. We are all under construction. And right now, is the time to draw people to Jesus and to be very, very careful that we're not pushing them away. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, uh, you can simply go to um, anchor.fm slash relationships with Nancy. Uh, hang on, that's not the only place to get in touch with me. Um, but you can go to anchor.fm slash relationships with Nancy. Um, and there is a place there that you can leave me a voicemail up to one minute. Tell me what you think about what I shared. Maybe you think I'm wrong. But guess what I'm going to ask you to do? No name calling. Do it respectfully. You can disagree with me but do it respectfully. If you decide to join Classes, Books, and Learning with Nancy on our Facebook page, go to the comment section, um, and you'll be able to find the post. There's a construction sign on there that says Road Construction Ahead. Leave me a comment. Leave me your thoughts there. I'd love to hear from you. Or you can always email me at nancy at relationshipswithnancy.com. And also, please don't send me all of your things that you're trying to get me to join or trying to get me to purchase. I've, I've suddenly receiving all kinds of emails and, and a lot of them are great, but I just don't have the time to sift through them. So you all are important to me, but as anyone else would say that speaking to a large crowd, uh, rather in person or online, I'm one person. So extend some patience my way. But it's okay to email me at nancy at relationshipswithnancy.com. And if you have some thoughts on something that you've heard here or anywhere else online, get in touch with me. Um, also, my book is still available, A Hurting Heart Turned Inside Out. I have it available in paperback. Uh, this is for the USA only, um, $10.00 per copy. I do have available uh, group discounts, like if you wanted to use the book to uh, lead a small group, whether it's online or if you are in a place that you're allowed to meet together right now, um, I do offer group discounts for the books. Um, it's no longer available on Kindle. I just wasn't selling very many in Kindle, but it is available um, in PDF, PDF format. Uh, same book that's in the paperback, uh, that is available for $5 USD. So all you need to do is get in touch with me for the books at nancy at relationshipswithnancy.com. I'll give you the link to pay, get your address, and send it out to you. So I'll chat with you soon, and thank you so much for connecting with me at Relationships with Nancy.